Where can you watch the documentary Babies Are Still Murdered Here? If someone walks away from the faith, do they also walk away from the church? And why is Jesus only the Lamb of God when Israel also sacrificed goats? The answers when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily podcast in the Word of Christ. For the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Tell your friends about our website, www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. This is the Friday edition of the broadcast, and you can submit questions to whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. Here, let me adjust your mic for you. Is there a problem? Oh, you can really hear me now, can't yeah, you? There you go. Hello. Because she's all bundled in her blanket I over am. here. I can't scooch any closer. And doesn't want to get out of her blanket to it's move her so mic cold. in front of her. <laughs> I don't know about y'all out there, but I don't do well in the cold. I'd rather be um, hibernating. Well, don't bounce. You're you're yeah, knocking the thing sorry. here. <laughs> uh, it is 24 degrees at the time of our recording. Burr. And that's uh, Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah, right. I can. I guess I have to remember that. Yes. Not all of our listeners uh, use Fahrenheit. Right. That is twenty-four degrees Fahrenheit. So below zero Celsius. Is Celsius metric? Do we call that metric? I I don't. We don't call that metric, Celsius. right? Yeah. So Fahrenheit and Celsius aren't like English and metric, right? No. Metric is just like ruler, right. like inches, right. distance. Like centimeters. Yeah. Kilometers. C- centimeters versus inches. Right. Meters versus yards. Right. That's metric. Right. So Celsius doesn't count as metric. No. And I, it, according to some of the world, we say it wrong, too. <laughs> it's... So- Oh, like Celsius? No, like Celsius. Celsius? Or something like that. I don't, I don't know. All right. Anyway. We're going to get some emails now. We are. <laughs> well, over here. Us. <laughs> over here across the pond. Right? So, It'll yeah. Fun. Once again, if you want to correct us on uh, our understanding of measurements and units, you can send those emails to when we understand the text at gmail.com. Something we have to start with plugging today that we keep talking about every week and we always forget. Okay. But listen in to the Just Thinking podcast. Yes, they're awesome. We had the chance to meet these guys. Well, I've seen Virgil several times. Right. And we uh, we ran into each other at G3 for sure. And it was at that G3 that we attended. It was right after Daryl Harrison had moved from Atlanta to California. Right. And G3 is right there in Atlanta. Right. So we didn't get the chance to meet Mr. Harrison, but Virgil was there. And then they met at Truth Matters. I didn't realize the two of them had never met before. Never. So mm-hmm. they met for the first time at the Truth Matters conference, which How was cool also the same time we met Daryl at Truth Matters. That's right. But they do a great he podcast. Very popular. <laughs> yeah. They do a great podcast. One of the best podcasts on the web. Definitely. So check out Just Thinking, also put together by uh, the Bar Network, mm-hmm. Biblical and Reformed. And thanks to Dwayne for all the work that he does there over at the Bar. Yes. All right. Now we finally got our Just Thinking plug in Woo-hoo! there. 
Great job, guys. Here we also want to start out giving a plug to the new documentary film, Babies Are Still Murdered Here. Mm -hmm. This is the follow-up to the documentary, Babies Are Murdered Here. Okay. It's put together by Apologia Studios. Marcus Pittman is the filmmaker behind it. Did a wonderful job. I had the chance to watch it this week. I didn't realize it came out on November 1st, so I was even Mm -hmm. a little bit late on okay. <laughs> finally pulling up the documentary and watching it. Uh, but it really, it not only exposes the horrors of the things that happen in the abortion movement, which I would think a lot of us are already familiar with that. If you are right. if you call yourself pro-life or you are for the defense of the unborn, mm-hmm. then you already know how horrible the, the whole abortion industry is. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that this documentary really kind of exposes is that the pro-life movement really is not doing anything to help save babies' lives. Right. And, and I'm talking about the thing that we call pro-life, that you've got all these politicians that will call themselves pro-life. It's basically mm-hmm. pro-life versus what would be termed abolitionism. Okay. Abolitionism is we are for the complete abolishment of abortion. Okay. Like not incrementally, but right now we need to end it today, Uh which is why uh, Apologia Studios is also put together end abortion now. Okay. The uh, between abolitionism and the pro-life movement, Mm -hmm. pro-life is really doing more to hinder the process of actually ending abortion than what they're doing to end abortion. How do you mean? Well, let me just give you one example right offhand, and you'll see it in the documentary. There was a bill earlier this year in the state of Texas Mm -hmm. that would have, I think this was just back in August even, would have ended abortion. This is what they were trying to do in the state of Texas. They wanted to make abortion illegal. Life begins at conception. Okay. And pro-lifers were blocking the passage of that bill, including Abby Johnson, Remember this film, uh, Unplanned, which is about Abby Johnson's story? Mm -hmm. Okay, Abby Johnson is opposed to any kind of legislation that would make abortion a crime. And therefore, a woman who gets an abortion would also be tried for a crime because she's killing her child. Hmm. The uh, the pro-life side of things does not like those bills that want to actually make abortion illegal so they're trying to do this incremental thing to have it steadily uh, uh, uh you know <laughs> like i don't i don't even understand the hip how it's thing to do anymore kind of thing like what do you mean hip thing to do like right now it's a fad if you will for, well, in yeah. some circles i mean pro-life is kind of a fad it's kind of like you're either pro-choice or you're pro-life and somebody attaches themselves to one label or the other mm-hmm. but a, a large number of those people who would identify themselves as pro-life are not actually for the complete abolishment of abortion. Hmm. And anytime some sort of bill or legislation comes up, you've got politicians that identify as pro-life that try to kill those abolition bills. They don't want that's them to crazy. pass. I know. And that's that's shown in this documentary. So you really got to check this out. I think one of the things that the first uh, um, version of this film, Babies Are Murdered Here, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that movie showed is that women are not victims here. Women who go into abortion clinics want to kill their children. Right. That's one of the things that the the, the part one of this documentary series exposed, in case you were kind of in the dark about that. 
Mm-hmm. If you've never done ministry at an abortion clinic before, you're just kind of under the impression that, oh, but they don't really know what they're doing. Right. And if they could just see an ultrasound, then they would change their mind. That's mm-hmm. the, usually the out of sight, out of mind argument that we make yeah. regarding women who want to get abortions. So I think that's what was exposed by part one. And then this latest uh, episode of this documentary is exposing the fact that the pro-life side, especially politically, is not really trying to abolish abortion. Hmm. They might be passing some bills here and there, but those bills are actually make it easy for abortion doctors and abortion clinics to get around. They can get around this stuff. Nobody's actually going to be tried and go to jail Mm -hmm. over the heartbeat bill that was passed in Georgia or in Ohio, for example. Very true. So that's the clip that I want to play here. I'm going to start the documentary at a certain portion where you're going to hear you're going to hear some news clips about these various uh, heartbeat bills that get passed. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruggen Kate is in here. You're going to hear from the governor of Virginia, the outlandish statements that he made. It was either earlier this year or last year. Okay. And then, uh, and then you're also going to hear from an ultrasound tech mm-hmm. who is going to demonstrate. It's a little hard to uh, kind of picture it in your mind because we're playing the audio. You're, you, right. You'd have to go to the video to watch it. But she's going to demonstrate how easy it is to get around the heartbeat bill. And we're going to kind of talk about that as as it shows. Yeah, right? so as okay. as you hear the thing playing, we'll we'll be narrating as it goes. Okay, so here we go. The Ohio governor signing today what critics condemn as the most restrictive abortion law in the country. Well, Georgia has passed one of the most restrictive abortion policies in the country. State lawmakers narrowly passed a measure Friday that would outlaw most abortions once a heartbeat can be detected in the embryo. State after state passing new restrictive laws. Next up is Louisiana. The question is who gets determined what is life? So this is Saiten Bruggen Kate here. Okay. And he's making an apologetic argument for uh, basically how do we determine what life is? Uh huh. If we're not passing a bill that says life begins at conception, then now who's going to decide uh, at what stage this child becomes a life? Who okay. is making that decision? Right. Where is that being defined? So that's what that's what Sai is going to be arguing for here. Okay. Is an ultrasound going to determine it? You know, they want to reinforce the suppression of truth of the mothers who want to kill their babies. Because you see, if the person is God, it doesn't matter what you prove. They're just going to think of different reasons why I can kill this baby, you know, and that's what's happening now. And the mask is finally being pulled off of the abortion movement. You have uh, governors arguing that a baby could be killed after birth. In this particular example, uh, if I'm- so here's the clip of Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, Democrat from Virginia, who was uh, these were those crazy statements that he made about, hey, when the child is born, if the mother doesn't want the child, you could still Put the oh, child wow. to death. That's that's basically what he's admitting here. Mother is in labor. I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. There are people advocating for the killing of babies after they've been born. And you're going to pull out an ultrasound machine and prove to this guy that he's killing a baby? Are you kidding me? My name is Sarah Cleveland. I'm a registered diagnostic medical sonographer. Otherwise known as an ultrasound tech, I've been registered for 15 years. I specialize uh, in a couple different areas, one of them being OBGYN. 
I've been involved in anti-abortion work uh, for many years. As someone who has operated an ultrasound machine for a number of years, I can guarantee you the machine only takes pictures where I tell it to, where the operator tells it to. It is 100% operator dependent. I can choose not to see a heartbeat, even if there is one. I can choose to show the mother. I can choose not to document it. I can choose to take a picture of the pregnancy without showing a heartbeat, even if there is one. The machine takes the pictures where I tell it, and it can be easily manipulated. Uh, today we had a young mom come in. So, so this is a big baby, right? So we're talking 16 and a half weeks. And we did a scan of her, and I started off just doing a, a normal scan like I would. Um, just showing her the profile, showing her the baby, the baby's uh, arms and legs were moving around, the ankles were crossed. Okay, so we see details here. We see the baby's face. There's two hands right there. Okay, you see the baby moving. I'm not moving at all. This is the baby moving. Look at the, look at the jaw moving. See the mouth moving? Open and shut. Watch that mouth. It's just like a newborn baby except in the womb. See the legs at the top. Remember doing this, babe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we've, we've been here with our kids yeah. watching these ultrasounds. So. I love it. All these details. <laughs> everything is there. There's the umbilical cord. You see that little rope-looking thing right there? You see it pulsating. That's the umbilical cord attached to the mother and baby. So we can get beautiful pictures like that. I showed her the baby on the screen. I printed out pictures for her, and everything was great. And she, she enjoyed watching the ultrasound. This would be a great picture to give home, to take home for mom, for her baby. You see the brain structures even in the brain there. All right, now, now we're, they're going to show us how these ultrasounds can be manipulated then, so you can, you can still follow the laws of the heartbeat bill mm -hmm. without actually breaking the law, but you're also not showing the mother a heartbeat or that there's any child even in the womb at all. Oh, wow. So here's how she's going to demonstrate that uh, these ultrasound techs, if they're in the business of murdering children, mm -hmm. that's what they're going to try to do. They're okay. not going to try to appease these heartbeat bills. And we're leaving it in their hands to be honest right. about the fact that there's a child in the womb. So now she's going to explain the darker side of this. The next part of the ultrasound I did on that very same baby, um, not moving any of the buttons on the screen, I could just, just move the angle of the, the probe or the transducer to, a, to a, an angle where I lose the baby on the screen. So I'm purposely taking a bad picture. You can really can't tell anything, right? You can't see the profile. You can't really see anything. This is mostly at the bottom of the screen. That's mostly bowel. The settings aren't quite right. I should drop the depth down. I should zoom in a little bit more, clean up the image. But they're not going to care at an abortion facility. At the very, very top is a very, very small sliver of the placenta. And in the top uh, right, of the screen is a cross-section of the baby's thigh. But yet I fulfilled that pro-life law and done the ultrasound, showed the mom her baby. But again, it's impersonal. It's not the whole baby. It's not the whole picture. But to her, it looks like nothing. To her, it doesn't really look like anything. So here's, here's the torso and the baby's face. You can see an arm moving. And then just in that same spot, move it. So it's only just a, a little bit of the baby in the picture, but it doesn't oh, look like crazy. the baby, the baby just disappears. Of, a, of an area of the body. And so, yeah, she just, I mean, just basically turns her wrist barely. Yeah, and just you, barely. And you lose the baby in the image altogether. Yeah, that's weird. So there's... yeah, It goes you, from baby to just... A black hole. Yeah. 
And, and so this is what they're doing at abortion facilities. Hmm. So they just have to go, well, well, you yeah, know, just look. I'll even show it to you. Clump of cells there. Wow. Not not a baby. So she and she'll go on to explain that here. Mostly fluid. It's mostly actually just bowel and air of the mom at the bottom. That's not even part of the pregnancy, but it's at the very top. But it's fulfilling pro-life laws because if they say if a mom asks to see the ultrasound before her abortion, I'm doing an ultrasound before the abortion, right? If she asks to see the screen, I'll say, okay, no big deal. See how you don't really can't really see anything? Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't really see anything. Say that's all we're doing. We're just removing that. So the problem with the heartbeat hmm. bill is it's ultimately trusting someone who is in the business of killing babies to tell the truth using an ultrasound to detect a heartbeat. There can't be any charges against an abortionist because they're fulfilling, they're not even breaking the law. Babies with beating hearts are uh, able to be seen as early as six weeks, but the abortion facility is not going to take the effort or take the time or do the ultrasound accurately to find that heartbeat that early on. They're in the business of killing babies. They're not in the business of finding heartbeats, of being honest and saving that baby's life. So these pro-life pieces of legislation, these ultrasound bills, and even the heartbeat bills, how it's advertised it's gonna save 90 to 95% of babies with beating hearts. Absolutely a lie. It's not true. So get, trusting murderers to tell the truth. Yeah, so get that. So she says 90 to 90, the, the, the claim is 90 to 95% of babies are gonna be saved by these heartbeat bills. Right. And she says, that's not true. That's not gonna happen. So now it's gonna shift to Sarah Cleveland giving testimony about that here. Hmm. I urge you to do the right thing and make this uh, not a regulation bill, but instead a full abolitionist bill to end human abortion in Ohio. Thank you. Ms. Cleveland, thank you uh, for your testimony, and I commend you for taking the time to read the text of the bill yes. and giving us the appropriate uh, lines um, for, your, for your thoughts. So thank you very much for that. Heartbeat bills should be opposed because they don't go far enough. Leading pro-life lobbies oppose them because they go too far. Hmm. That's the graphic that comes up there. National Right to Life and their partners have a long history of opposing even the weakest regulations of abortion. Um, there was something in the paper. So this is Mike Gonadakis, the executive director to the Ohio Right to Life. This woman's asking him a question. Uh, and he's going to give an answer. So what the clips that it's going to show here are examples of some of these guys and politicians that claim to be pro-life and they're actually opposing pro-life legislation. Ah. You want to read what her question was? Yeah, let me see. Hear let's see if I can go back a little bit here. Let's see if I can bring this up. Uh, still that graphic. National right to life. Da 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 da. She says there was something in the paper not long ago. They were going to try and limit, I believe. It's in Ohio. The abortions to when the heartbeat started. The heartbeats between 18 to 21 days, I believe. What happened to that? Before the ink would be dry in Governor Kasich's name, assuming he would sign him, which I don't think he would. Uh, there will be a permanent injunction in federal district court in Southwest Ohio by liberal pro-abortion judge Susan Malat, making saying this law is unconstitutional. Mike, your group doesn't support the heartbeat bill. Seems like a pro-life bill. Why don't you support this one in particular? What we've said at Ohio Right 
life is strategic in what laws we pass in all 50 states because our federal court system is very vicious to us. We have to be careful because why would we invite a hostile court to make a decision that could set us back 40, 50 years? We have to engage in the incremental approach one step at a time. There's another bill that you do support. It's called the 20-week abortion ban. Do you think that bill will withstand challenges in the courts? But we do, and here's why. 12 other states have passed the fetal pain 20-week ban. We are following breaking news out of Columbus today where Governor John Kasich has signed a 20-week abortion ban while vetoing the heartbeat bill. That heartbeat bill, which cleared the Republican-led legislator ban most abortions as early as six weeks into a pregnancy and would have been among the strictest abortion bills in the country. So that was back in 2016. Mm -hmm. A lot of you probably remember John Kasich because he was running for president in 2016, uh, was probably the liberalist conservative (laughs) (laughs) uh, of the Republicans that were running for president. So it was even during that time when he was campaigning for president, he vetoed the heartbeat bill, Hmm. but he passed the 20 week abortion ban. Guys, that's that he's a pro choice Republican. Yeah. So I don't care that he passed a 20-week ban. That man is pro-abortion. Yeah. He's saying you can have an abortion all the way up to 20 weeks. That that was absolutely his position on it because with his, the stroke of his own pen, mm. he vetoed the heartbeat bill but passed the 20-week abortion ban. That's not pro-life. No. That's you're deciding when life begins and it's not at conception. You think it happens sometime later. So you're for the killing of babies if that's you know, that's where your pro-life message starts and stops. Right. Every other organization that I name supports this bill. The only organization that doesn't support it is National Right to Life. Now, that's absolutely astounding. So that's Representative Steve King in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And he says everybody is, a, is supporting this abortion ban bill except the National Right to Life. And that's they're supposed crazy. to be they're supposed to be the political action group that's bi- that's behind helping to push these pro-life legislations. Yeah. Isn't I, that astounding? I, I can't get past this. <laughs> that's what they're exposing in this documentary. It's 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 incredible. And well done to Marcus Pittman and the and the guys who worked on this for putting all this together. Okay, so this graphic in 2019, after years of fighting against the heartbeat bill and with pressure from citizens of Ohio, Ohio Right to Life forced themselves into the governor's signing ceremony to take credit for its passing. The Ohio governor signing today what critics condemn as the most restrictive abortion law in the country. So you recognize that guy right over there? That was the guy they were interviewing on TV. I can't hardly see your screen. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, it's kind of a little bit blurry because the image started pulling out. Yeah. And it's um, I'm not face on with it. Oh, okay. So it but this changes is that, the colors. You know, they, they had the split screen where there was the interview on television. Oh, yeah. And he was uh-huh. the guy on the right. That's him right oh, there. Oh, gotcha. So the guy on the right and was who? Supporters celebrate. At- so he was with the National Right to Life. Check. And he was the one that was saying, no, we can't we can't do these abolition bills because it would set us back. So instead, we're trying to do it incrementally. Got it. And then you had the representative from Iowa that was saying everybody is behind this abolition bill. All of the pro-life groups are behind it, except the national right to life. That's insane. Was actually opposing it. My group doesn't support the heartbeat bill. 
So on July 3rd, the federal district judge struck down the Ohio heartbeat bill. That was this year. Mm. Three days later, the bills uh, were mocked. Now I, I lost that graphic now. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get it back because it goes too far. Hang Support on. Support the heartbeat bill. Struck down the Ohio heartbeat bill. District judge. Three days later, the bills were mocked at the National Right to Life Convention. So what, what? you're going to. Yes. So what you're going to hear next is the National Right to Life group mocking these bills. Oh, my God. One of these uh, more idealistic bills comes up in our state. What advice do you think that we should give to the legislature? Should we ask them to vote for something like the Hartley bill? Should we ask them to oppose it? Like, not introduce it, not consider it, not vote for it. So this is, this is the guy... Uh, Jim Bopp from the National Right to Life General Counsel, and he's saying heartbeat bills. Don't introduce them. Don't consider them. Don't have a committee hearing for them. Do not vote for them. This is the National Right to Life that's saying this. And and the and, and they get paid for this job. Well, yeah, they do. Now remember the ultrasound tech that we were hearing from earlier. Mm-hmm. She was saying they don't work anyway because. All you have to do is, you know, turn the thing right. this way and you can not even find the baby in the ultrasound. And we're, we're entrusting to murderers to tell us the truth. Very true. But what these clips are showing is that the National Right to Life doesn't even support heartbeat bills like heartbeat bills. They would consider to be way too conservative. Hmm. So they oppose those. Instead, they go for things like 20 week abortion bans because they think that's better for this effort then passing some sort of abolition legislation. So in August of 2019, Jim Bopp spoke before the Tennessee legislature condemning a life at conception bill. And here is what he said. Look, divine intervention is God's decision, not ours. He will do it in his time when he believes the time is right. Absent divine intervention, we have to use our human reason, our human powers, to figure out what is the best course. So I'm going to go ahead and stop it there. But that's the uh, that's the section of the documentary that I wanted to play for you. I made the argument on Twitter that that this section that I just watched here would con- is enough to convince me to be an abolitionist to not do the incremental stuff. Definitely. I, I get phone calls all the time. I remember one time I was driving down to Georgia with my dad and we stopped at a gas station and I got a call on my phone and it was somebody from one of those right to life organizations. Mm-hmm. They were saying, hey, we're doing all this work uh, to try to pass these legislations and stuff like that. And they, would you donate to our cause? Because we have you down as a registered Republican and you vote pro-life. And I said, uh, no, no, I'm not going to give you anything. And she was really like stuck. She was like, I, I mean, do you understand kind of the work that we do? And I said, yeah, I understand the work that you do. And and she said, well, you don't want to support this. And I said, no, if you if you call me back sometime later in the future and you tell me that you are for the absolute passing of laws that uh, uh, that define life is beginning at conception and abortion is illegal at all stages in all 40 weeks of pregnancy if you call me back and you say that's what you're fighting for then i'll support your cause but until you can tell me that i'm not going to give you any money Hmm. because i don't see that the effort that you're yeah it just makes me angry yeah 
It's, it's just better that I don't say anything. I'm, I'm just angry right now. This is a sensitive, a pretty sensitive subject for Becky. She, it is. She doesn't watch these kinds of documentaries with me. Nope. She can't handle them. Nope. <laughs> but uh, I knew that we could at least do that much. Sure. And your eyes would stay dry. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They're dry because I'm angry. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great documentary. Check out Babies Are Still Murdered Here. We had posted it on our What facebook page yesterday and also the what twitter page so if you follow us on social media you'll find the documentary there um and then of course you look it up on youtube because that's what we're linking to is the youtube page Uh, sorry i started playing it there apologia studios who had just posted it they premiered it on october the 31st so if you go to apologia studios youtube channel you'll find babies are still murdered here thanks again to marcus Pittman and the gang for putting that together it was a wonderful documentary Wonderful is in uh, enlightening. Enlightening, yes. That's a great way to put it. Okay, let's get to the questions here. Yes. Uh, this first one is Pastor Gabe. I loved the, well, what extra videos that you were doing? Oh. So that's the, uh, on YouTube, it's W-W-U-T-T-E-X-T. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for those extra videos. It's not really extra. I think that's what it says on the title page, but it's supposed to be X'd, like extended, extra. Yeah. Text. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I love those videos you were doing, but you stopped doing them. I think the video on the problems with the Bible Project videos was the last one that you did. Any chance that you have any future videos planned? Yes. uh, Hopefully the one that I've been working on, I'll get it posted today. Oh, that's cool. But I'm reading through the first chapter of 25 Christmas Myths and what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. So trying to give a little plug for the book and you can hear... Uh, some of the stuff that I wrote uh-huh. that I'm proud of. Uh-huh. So pick up the book. <laughs> you can go find it on Amazon. If you just type in 25, the number 25 Christmas Miz on Amazon, it's the first thing that's going to come up. Okay. So you can get it either for uh, your Kindle or for your, uh, get it in paperback. But anyway, so the next, uh, well, what next video is <laughs> is going to be on 25 christmas myths and then i've got another one after that that i'm going to do too and it's still on 25 christmas myths i'm okay. not getting hardly any videos done right now i've not even been doing any what videos yeah we've had a busy season it's been a very busy season yeah yeah it used to be that i was doing at least one what video a week and mm. right now i'm doing like one or two a month right so it's i'm I've really behind running them around she has been Becky's had work for me to do too. I have. So then Edward goes on here. My question is about the video that you did on first John two 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us Mm. in the video where you explain this passage. You seem to use the words faith and church interchangeably. Like you talk about how a person who leaves the faith never really had faith to begin with. And a person who leaves the church was never really part of the church in the first place. But how are faith and the church the same thing? How is it that John is talking about both of these things here? I've always appreciated your videos. You help me understand the Bible better. Keep up the great work, Edward in Colorado. Okay, so let me bring this up. I forgot to get my Bible out, which I like to do. Uh, and uh, bring up First John two nineteen. So let's look at this in context. 
And this is John warning about Antichrist. So starting in verse 18, children, it is the last hour and you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. So that's verses 18 through 25 there. So in the video, primarily what I was responding to is there were folks that were arguing that you can't use 1 John 2.19 to say that a person has left the church or left the faith to Mm -hmm. demonstrate that they were never really of the faith in the first place. Okay. And the reason why they were arguing that is because the context that John is talking about is false teachers. Okay. So he's talking about false teachers. They, the false teachers, went out from us because they were not really of us. Hmm. That's true. But who follows the false teachers? Yeah. (laughs) The rest of the people that end up walking away from the faith or walking away from the church. And following the false teachers. Right. Right. So they remember, uh, Paul says they accumulate for themselves Mm. teachers to suit their own passions. Right. So false teachers are. Yeah. False teachers are a judgment and false teachers don't go out by themselves. Right. False teachers take people with them Mm -hmm. who wanted to believe the false teachers. Yeah. So that's uh, that's certainly the context of what John is talking about there. But it doesn't mean that we just limit it to talking about false teachers. It's also the people that follow those false teachers. Right. Because remember in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 says that those who worship the beast are those whose names were not written before the foundation of the world in the book of uh, uh, in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. Hmm. They're the ones that follow the beast, the ones who are not written in the book of life from before the foundation of the world. Right. And then we know that make it plain. For us to see. Yeah, to see exactly who that was. Right. We don't know whose name is not written in the book of life. Right. But when they go out from the faith and never come back to the faith, Mm -hmm. then it's demonstrated to us exactly those who said they were Christians, but really were not. Right. And and of course, I tied this in the video. I tied this into the parable of the sower also in Matthew chapter 13. Mm -hmm. So in this parable, Jesus is showing these really are of the kingdom and these are not when the seed falls on the path among the thorns among the rocks these are those who might demonstrate some kind of faith for a time Mm -hmm. but then they prove to be unfruitful right but when the seed which represents the message of the kingdom falls in good soil then it produces a harvest right we also have in revelation it being mentioned that the devil and his angels are cast into the lake of fire and all those who worshiped the beast will Mm -hmm. be cast into the lake of fire as well so again it's not just the false teachers that go out it's those who follow the false teachers that also go out Now, Edward's question here is, why do you use faith and the church interchangeably? Mm -hmm. Well, because when somebody goes out from the faith, they're also going to go out from the church. 
when someone goes generally i i would say well yeah that's true because someone can be out of the faith and they might find a church right because <laughs> not all churches um have the same standards i guess there there are some pretty lax churches out there that accept everybody well yeah you're just talking liberal so. churches like unitarian churches right you can be an atheist and be a pastor in a unitarian church right there was that uh, story what, a year or two ago. There was that woman who was an atheist. Yeah, that and she was, was insane. A, yeah. Pastor of a Unitarian church. You don't even have to be a Christian. <laughs> yep. To even preach here. So that was crazy. And I mean, we know those are false churches. We know that's. That one's obvious. Yeah. But there, there are some that are um, still lax in their, their um, housekeeping, if you will, just to make sure everybody's on the up and up and, and keeping each other in. in they're not practicing church discipline. Yeah. They're not testing anybody to see if they're bearing any fruit. Right. Uh, nobody is being called out for living in debauchery and sin. Right. And they're not teaching them to to um, get past the milk part of, you know, learning the faith, but into the meat part of, yeah. you know, like maturing in your faith. And Yep. Yeah. So is, there's there's a lot of churches just let folks get away with anything. Yeah. As long as you want to come and you're dropping money in the offering plate, right? that's really all we want. So uh, so why am I using the words faith and church interchangeably there? Well, again, if somebody's walking away from the church, it's because they're walking away from the faith. If they're walking away from the faith, they're most likely walking away from the church also. Right. Few people are walking away from the faith and still remaining in church. Right. But well, it does that's happen. True. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we have a common story in our church is that you'll have a military family that moves into the area. Mm -hmm. The wife starts coming to church, but the husband's not a believer. Mm -hmm. So he's coming because he wants to be with his wife. Right. And that's great. I'm glad he's there. Right. And I'm going to preach the gospel to him. But I certainly hope that somebody who comes into our church who's an unbeliever is eventually going to make a decision to repent and mm -hmm. follow Christ. Right. And, and we we do put that on folks that, you know, like, hey, you've been here for two, three months or now or something like that. Yeah. Do you have any questions about mm -hmm. what we're talking about? Um, and, and we continue to follow up on those things to mm -hmm. put a position in, or put a person in a position of having to respond to the gospel that's being preached. Right. You're not just doing your religious duty and we're not going to let you get away with thinking that just because you're here, mm -hmm. you're punching a ticket. Right. Somewhere. You might be punching a ticket somewhere, but it's not to heaven if you're not following Christ. Very true. So I, I hope yeah. that clarifies a little bit while I'm why I'm using those words faith and church interchangeably. They should be used interchangeably. Yeah. Now, I, what I, I do want to clarify that when I'm talking about walking away from the church, I'm not talking about walking away from your church. Right. So there are people because of conflict, because of disagreements over certain things, uh, things don't see eye to eye, or it's just not the kind of church I want to attend because I'm looking for more preaching, looking for soundness of doctrine, less programs. I don't like the gimmicks. So they leave that church and go for a place where they're looking for something better, more solid in the gospel that's being presented. Mm -hmm. Just because a person walks away from your church does not mean that they've walked away from the faith. Right. There are going to be occasions in which a person is probably going to need to leave this church and go find another one. And there's also, uh, you know, times where I've seen church just gets too crowded. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, hey, I, I'm going to open up my seat to somebody else mm -hmm. and I'm going to go somewhere else and something. 
I've, I've seen that in a few places. Yeah, it's just preference level yeah. at that point. Yeah, I'm just kind of trying to draw out examples. Just to say that just because a person's walked away from your church doesn't mean they've walked away from the church altogether. Right. But when I say walking away from the church or walking away from the faith, I'm That's talking about... the big about, C. Yeah, the big C. Yeah. The, uh, the universal church. Everybody who is a part of the church because they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. If they're walking away from that, they're walking away from the faith. If a person is in faith, they're going to be in church. Right. You know, here's, here's an interesting thing to consider... And it's uh, I can't remember if I said this on Sunday or not, because we were talking about reading our Bible, how to read your Bible, mm-hmm. which was the sermon that I preached this last Sunday. Right. There's nothing in the Bible that tells you to have a quiet time. That's true. Nothing in there that tells you you need to make a daily quiet time. Where you're meditating on the Bible and you're praying. The Bible does say pray without ceasing. And it says meditate day and night on the word of God. Well, it, I mean, it does tell us to be like Jesus and Jesus tried to get away a lot. So, yeah, <laughs> but, but it, then again, he had a ton of people around him. So. Right. But it also wasn't a daily thing. True. So you're true. talking like the daily quiet time. That's Is true. not something in the Bible that says you have to make a regular discipline. Right. It says meditate on the word of God day and night mm-hmm. and pray without ceasing. Right. What the Bible does tell you to do is go to church. Yes. So the, yes, co- the regular congregational attendance mm-hmm. is more important than even your regular quiet time. The, uh, the reading the Bible, individual reading of the Bible and individual prayer time, I think those things are certainly important, but there's nothing in Scripture that mandates you should be doing this daily. Mm-hmm. What we are instructed is you should meet with the church regularly. Right. Don't be lax in your church attendance. That's even more important mm-hmm. than having a regular daily quiet time. Yes. So thank you for your question, Edward. This next one comes from, I didn't even write a name down. Crazy. What did I do with that name? Okay. Uh, whoever <laughs> sent this question is going to recognize the question, but I didn't write uh, down who sent the question. <laughs> Hello, Pastor Gabe and Becky. My Sunday school class is going through the doctrines of grace, and right now we are on the limited atonement part of that. Ooh. I've been thinking a lot about atonement in the Old and New Covenants and what they mean. Then something dawned on me while I was reading Leviticus 16. And I realized that chapter does not mention anything about lambs. But the priests were to sacrifice goats for the people. If Christ atoned for our sin and the Lord told the Israelites on the Day of Atonement to sacrifice goats... Then why do we call Jesus the Lamb of God and not, I know this sounds bad, the Goat of God? I know I'm missing something somewhere. Thank you guys so much for your ministry. It has been a huge blessing, especially the Friday Q&As with Becky. I can tell you guys have an amazing relationship with each other and you both love the Lord first and foremost. Amen. Amen to that. Yes, my wife is a wonderful woman. I was just texting her last night. (laughs) while i was on the couch and she was in our bed but that's not what it sounds like (laughs) i was not relegated to the couch no i was waiting for the laundry to dry yes that's why sent me to bed because i was so tired (laughs) so uh, i did not realize becky wasn't in the room anymore she had left and gone up to bed she came back down to get her allergy medicine because she forgot that Went to bed and I didn't realize she wasn't there. So I was trying to talk to her and I, and I was kind of like, oh, maybe she's in the laundry room. So I just kind of laid there for a second 
And then I heard something in the kitchen. I was like, okay, she's back in the kitchen now. So I started talking again. (laughs) Still didn't get a response. So I turned around and looked. I was like, oh, she's not there anymore. And so then I just texted her. Yeah. She was up in the bedroom. I was like, oh, I'm talking to you. You're not here anymore. No, I disappeared. <laughs> so, yes, we do. Uh, we do love each other. Love each other's company. I am never uh, tired of this woman. In fact, <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to stay at home with my family. <laughs> that's uh, that's really the way I feel most days. Um uh, anyway, the uh, that's no offense to anybody. No, no. I, I'm afraid now, having said that, I'm going to go pay someone a visit tomorrow, and they're going to be like, well, I know Gabe would rather be at home with his family. <laughs> Doesn't actually want to be sitting here talking to me. Ooh. Ow! Hello. <laughs> Watch out for... Uh, I didn't do it that time. ...shells that are uh, hanging out there. Um, Where was I? Because I just whacked myself, and I totally uh, so, forgot where I was. Um. So the the Lamb of God question. So this question is, why do we call Jesus the Lamb of God if we're uh, if the instruction to Israel is to sacrifice goats? So he's called the Lamb of God and not the goat of God. Well, we refer to Jesus as the Lamb of God primarily because of the Passover. Right. Not because of the Day of Atonement laws, but more because he is our Passover lamb. Mm -hmm. Paul points that out to the Corinthians. So Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. So this is the instruction regarding Passover. It's the last plague in Egypt. Uh These are the instructions that the Israelites are being given to avoid the angel of death. Right. Uh, How can you be sure that the angel of death is going to pass over you and will not strike down the firstborn in your home? So verse four, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. goats. Hmm. And you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So in our English vernacular, we think of lamb as being a small sheep. Yeah, a young sheep. Right. But lamb was used to describe either a sheep or a goat. Hmm. Now, where do we get this idea that we should not call Jesus the goat of God? And I don't think we should, because I think that would just get too confusing. (laughs) John the Baptist, Jesus is passing by. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right. So it was the understanding that Jesus was the fulfillment of of the sacrificial lamb laws that were given in the Old Testament. He mm-hmm. is our Passover lamb. Where do we get the uh, the sheep and the goats thing from? Well, that's Jesus telling of the final judgment in Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left and then by the explanation that he gives those who are on his right are entering into the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. and those who are on his left are being departed into 
the place of eternal punishment. Mm -hmm. So that's where we get the idea of the goat being bad. Right. And the sheep being good. Mm -hmm. That's where we get that from. But it doesn't mean that the sacrifice laws in the Old Testament were distinguishing between sheep and goats, as in sheep good, goat bad. Right. That's not the way that we're supposed to read that. But lamb could be either a young sheep or a young goat. Don't do it. Don't do it. So the lamb. Becky was about to yawn. No, I wasn't. Don't do it. <laughs> okay, so I was. Okay, go ahead. What were you going to say? Anyway, um, so the lamb had to be without blemish. Which means that they had to be purely white, correct? Yeah, there couldn't be any spot or blemish, no scars. So how does that work for a lamb as a goat? I'm confused. Just had to be a spotless goat. Just, okay. I mean, I guess goats can be white. I wasn't thinking about those goats. I usually think about the the gray goats first. And they normally, I mean, they're gray. They're not white. So Yeah, it doesn't but say. there are some white goats, aren't there? It doesn't say what color they have to be. Oh, doesn't it doesn't? make a specification about color. Just without blemish. Yeah, just had to be a healthy goat. Okay. And it, it was so that uh, Israel needed to understand they must give their best. Right. So not looking for the scraggly animal that we weren't going to do anything like with at all. Right. Uh-huh. Like Cain was trying to do. He was just right. giving his leftovers. Right. But they're giving their best. And it also was a picture of holiness because Jesus was the spotless lamb. Hmm. He had no blemish about him at all. He was sinless. He was right. perfect. So he was the sacrifice that could take away the sins of the world. Any one of us tried to step into Jesus' position, and we were not going to meet the qualifications of that sacrifice. Nowhere close. So, yeah, all of this with the sheep and the goats uh, as sacrifices, and whether you're talking about ox or any of the other sacrifices that they had to offer, Mm -hmm. all of this was a picture of the ultimate sacrifice that was going to be given by the Son of God, Mm -hmm. the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That reference to Jesus being the Lamb of God is simply a reference back to the fact that lambs were sacrificed for the atonement of sins, and Jesus is showing up on the scene to be the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Amen. Final question here. This one comes from Jonathan. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for making this podcast and for helping me so much. My question is about Luke 12, 11 through 12. It says... When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself, defend yourselves or what you will say for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. How does this apply to Christians today? Oftentimes the day before I'm going to witness to someone, I try to plan in my head how I'm going to go about talking to them. <laughs> Is this verse condemning that? You do that too? I do. Right? I try. It I never it never works out. I think though. it's even good to write all that out. Yeah. It's good to, or and like what we did with our um evangelism class which we had over the summer. Mm-hmm. Our friend Raymond led that. Yes. Did a great job. We even had at the end of that class we were doing role play. Mm-hmm. And each one of us were given a slip of paper. This is the kind of person that you're going to be. Right. And so you have to respond to the evangelist like this kind of person. Right. And some of them would be like, you know, just like an agnostic guy who just doesn't care about anything. Right. Just kind of lax, doesn't really care. Mm -hmm. Uh, How is the person who's doing the evangelizing going to try to get through to this guy? Right. You know, another one might be a Mormon. There's another one. I cornered myself. You would corner yourself? I always did. I always... um... It said the wrong words, and then I didn't have a very um, 
relaxing partner. She, they, <laughs> they always got the ones with the like aggressive and everything. So angry and and you would get to a point where you're stuck. You're like, I'm okay, stuck. now what do I'm I like, say now? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's always I'll good try to try another day. <laughs> it's always good to practice that because you is. can prepare yourself for that. Yep. Uh, even we haven't had some people in the role play that were aggressive. That's what so I'm like, talking Get about. Get away yeah. from me. Yeah. want to talk to you. Yep. How do That's... you respond to that situation? Yeah. <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> so Jonathan's asking, is this passage in Luke 12 condemning the preparation Mm. of sharing with somebody who asks of us an answer for the hope that lies within us? Or is this verse only telling us not to plan ahead when somebody else initiates the conversation instead of us? I'm confused. I just don't understand why it would be wrong to plan ahead, but it seems like that's what the verse is saying. Thank you guys again for all you do. I pray that your teachings will reach more and more people. Well, let's go to... Luke chapter 12 here, and starting in verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples whom he is sending out as sheep amidst the wolves, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of God will also acknowledge before the angels of God. The Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Key word in there is do not be anxious Mm. about how you will defend yourself. Uh Do not fear Do not think that the Lord is not with you Mm -hmm. in the midst of these moments. Now, as Jesus was talking to the apostles about this, there was certainly a manifestation of the Holy Spirit within them that's different than the way that we have the Holy Spirit now. Uh So the Holy Spirit's gift upon an apostle, what really was going to be the word of God was coming out of that apostle's mouth whenever he was responding to those critics that wanted to persecute him or put him to death Mm -hmm. but for us so how would that instruction then pertain to us well the more of god's word you store up in your heart the more you're going to know how to respond to each one of those situations Mm. and when somebody first peter 3 15 asks you for an answer for the hope that lies within you Mm -hmm. but doing this with gentleness and respect what's going to come out of you is the word of god Mm -hmm. as you have read it in the bible Right. Because you've filled up your heart with that. It has become what is on your mind. You've conditioned yourself to respond with God's word. Mm -hmm. Whenever you do evangelism or whenever somebody corners you about one of these questions or something like that. So preparation is essential. Right. Because it it means you're going to have to go to your Bible and study it. Right. So. But the the Bible also tells us not to um, count on tomorrow being there either. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. You're you're thinking about you're thinking about Matthew chapter six, where Jesus says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Really? That's not the one you're thinking of? Nope. It was. um, Hang on. Well, you started the program by saying the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. No, it's not that one either. (laughs) It was. um, Don't plan for tomorrow. 
Maybe it's boasting about tomorrow. So you're talking like James 4. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city and we'll spend a year there. We'll do this or that. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Right. What is your life? You're a miss that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Is that what you were thinking of? That's the one I was thinking of. There we go. Because it was planning for tomorrow. Gotcha. And so um, that's why I was thinking whenever he was asking the question that maybe it was just the fact of planning, you know, um, so we should say if the Lord wills it, that that would be better. That's right. But, but, um, but James that's 4, 15. interesting. So I didn't have the right, the right context either. So okay. <laughs> I just thought it was neat. There you go. That it was, it was learning for me too. Well, Jonathan, planning is always good when it comes to evangelism. Yes. I would say. Preparation. Yeah. You should be prepared. Yes. Because that's that's really the instruction in First Peter three fifteen. Be prepared. Yeah, to give I an mean, answer. How else would you meditate on your um, on on God's word night and day? I mean, why why would you have to? Is to be prepared. So. Yeah. Well, to sanctify yourself, that you would be sanctified according to the word of God. That's why you would do it. But also, you're preparing yourself to have to respond to a person that asks. Yeah. Did I not say that? No, okay. no, yeah, you were you were talking about it in terms of meditating to be prepared for evangelism. Okay, well, but you're you know, also meditating for sanctification. I apologize. I'm very <laughs> tired, and I'm trying to think through the fog of sleepiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be done and wrap but this yes, up. That we'll what pray. You said. <laughs> yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and thank you for the opportunity to be able to do this. And I pray that uh, what we've done here in this program is ministering to folks, that they're hearing the word of God and being encouraged by your word to seek Christ daily in all things, who died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the dead so that all who believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Teach us how we share that message with others and know how to answer each person accordingly. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. so low because it's 24 degrees outside uh no that's when we were still outside (laughs) i'm sure it's lower than that now you can go sit by the window over there you'll feel a little draftiness i'm sure it's colder than 24 now well i pulled the weather thing up it said 24 still yep i'm surprised
It uh, said it was actually 24, and it even felt like 24, so no wind chill right now. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and take this now. Okay, I've got to cue this up. I forgot to do that. There we go. Okay, hang on. No, you're fine. 